What's up, fantasy champions? Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SS Network, Thrive Fantasy will match up to fifty dollars of your first deposit. So go to ThriveFantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SS Network. That's ThriveFantasy.com promo code SS Network. Oakland A's? Are you a fan of the Golden Knights? Do you love the Los Angeles Chargers? Well then my friends, you're in the right place. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show with your host, Jake the Snake Silver. Brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another great week on a Monday night. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show. Wherever and however you may be watching and listening, Tonight, we're alive on all social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And go like, follow, subscribe, and hit the bell button for all latest notifications. And even go watch future and past shows as well. We really do appreciate your guys' love and support for the network as well. And, of course, for those of you who missed out on uh, the giveaway, we did have... um, a bunch of uh, two, at least two winners from the giveaway. So if you guys missed out on that, no worries because on the fourth of this month of February, and we know love is all in the air, right? It's that time of year in February. Valentine's Day is coming up. Why don't you get your special someone the gift that keeps on giving from right at the fourth through the seventh of February? When you go online to the spotlightsportsgear.com, use um, when you purchase every single one of your gears, t-shirts, hats, hoodies, so much more, you'll get 20% off your discount. 20%. I mean, that's a hell of a deal. You guys will get huge amounts off of your purchases. So definitely go online to the spotlightsportsnetwork.com. And shop for your merchandise. And that's on all shows. That's for the network. That's all over. Um, 20% off of all of your purchases. I'm so glad to be here with all of you guys here tonight. What's going on, Ryan Gage? What's going on, Luke? Really do appreciate every single one of you guys here being um, being here tonight. Because there is a lot to really talk about. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm fresh from a great weekend. In Utah, I thought it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Oh, man. You know, there, there's something about nature that just calms your soul, calms your mind, and it's just, there's an essence behind it. I loved every bit of it. Great weekend. You know, it was it was great weather. I mean, it was 
probably its lowest was right in the 20s. But once it started to heat up, it was beautiful. It was beautiful all through and through. I had such a great time. And so here I am back on a weekend on a Monday um, getting started for the new week. And we got a lot to talk about. So uh, let me start off with this because over the weekend, I couldn't help. But of course, you know, sometimes when I'm up on vacations, there's times where I'll get notifications and I'll just automatically go, wow, that just happened, you know, and, and, and it's everything. Isn't it crazy how much that we get the notifications on our phones and it comes to like big time news? It's incredible. But the one news this past weekend that really caught my attention that everybody was like, oh, Jake, what's your thoughts about this? This is crazy. Well, it's happening in the West Coast and that's happening when Los Angeles with the with the L.A. Rams. And it was crazy enough how this weekend ended up coming up, but it has been confirmed Matthew Stafford is being traded from the Detroit Lions for two first-round picks and Jared Goff. Let me start out by saying this, because a lot of you have seen my past episodes where I had tried to defend Jared Goff, and in the end, Goff is traded away. Why? Why would Goff be traded? Why would that be the case? Well, remember, Los Angeles. It's a big market. It's a money market deal in the West Coast. That's why a lot of these superstars all come out West. LeBron came out West. Um, Kawhi Leonard came out. You know, he, he went to the Clippers. There were a bunch of players that were all from the East Coast that they all decided to come out to the West. Now the East is starting to kind of build itself, so it's starting to look a little bit balanced. But overall, there are a lot of teams that – there are a lot of players – that they're coming into the West Coast. And one of them being in particular is Matt Stafford. And Matt Stafford, who spent 12 long years with the Detroit Lions, number one overall pick years ago. And um, this is a happy day for Matt Stafford. This is the happiest he's ever been in his career at 32 and going into 33 that... um, He's getting an opportunity like this. Now, why would the Rams deal away Goff? Well, here's the thing. Because the Rams were fresh off from Jeff Fisher, and they go and get this young kid, very innovative, big on offense, and he gets probably one of the best personnels in Sean McVay. And Stan Kroenke and Les Snead, owner and general manager of the Rams, they only have one thing. They want to push for a championship. They want to push to be the best team out there in the NFC West and all of the NFC and get back to the Super Bowl. That's one of my biggest things that I believe is one of the reasons why the Rams were very aggressive. And I think that's what attracted Matthew Stafford, an organization that's aggressive, an organization that wants to win a championship. They want to get into it. And the question of it is, is because was there a lot of limitations with Jared Goff? Is that why? Well, let me just tell you this. There were some interesting takeaways, and I mentioned this before. When Jared Goff has an, a healthy offensive line, when he does, he's probably a winning quarterback, and he's comfortable. But when he is sacked more than once, not so great. 
But even so, Jared Goff, unlike some of these young quarterbacks that we see in the league, he's only 25 years old. Look at some of these quarterbacks around the league. Pa- Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, a lot of, all of them can run out of the pocket at any time when danger comes. And by the way, there were close enough games. I mean, Goff was able to beat Seattle in the playoffs with a broken thumb. They managed to win it. They almost managed to upset Green Bay. But because of the offensive line for Green Bay stopping Aaron Donald in his tracks and the rest of his cohorts, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. And you have to think, well, didn't Goff get to a Super Bowl? Well, yes, they did. But even so, that Super Bowl was the lowest scoring Super Bowl we've ever seen, 13-3. They had probably one of the best defenses. They had a, a long list of really good players. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. And Cup was out for the rest of the year. If they had him, it probably would have been interesting stories. But even so, they... It's it, it's crazy. It's crazy how all of this just how all of this just kind of flows through. But the one reason why that the Rams decided to move off of golf, there was one game in particular. No, it wasn't the game against the Jets. No, it wasn't the game against Miami. But it was more importantly against Kyle Shanahan, another young offensive coordinated mind as a head coach. And he's got Jimmy G, but Jimmy G was hurt. And then you had C.J. Beathard, but he wasn't the starting quarterback. Instead, it was Nick Mullins. In that game, Jared Goff threw for two turnovers and a fumble. There was some signs of inconsistency with Jared Goff. That was what people started to recognize. They started to recognize some of the turnovers. They started to recognize his... His... Judgment call as a quarterback. And then not to mention not having any ball security, nothing. So in the end, Jared Goff and Sean McVay, that relationship didn't work out. That was when Sean got on the phone. And the first call he made was to Stan Kroenke. said, Stan, you and Les, we need to sit down and talk. And that was when it was the serious question. Do you believe in me? Because all of this is all about McVay. The smart, young head coach who wins. And at the same time, I mean, he's a, he's a play developer. But just didn't have the right quarterback in the helm. Now he does with Matthew Stafford. But here's the other part that you got to take away. Because I'm going to be talking about Detroit here in a second. But my thing is, with this Jared Goff thing, is because Matthew Stafford, a number one overall pick out of Georgia, goes to Detroit, one of the most ran-down organizations in the NFL. And everybody was ranting and raving. Stafford got talent. He's got the arm strength. He can move out of the pocket. He can do all this and that. And what was unfortunate about Detroit, they had one of the best wide receivers we've ever seen in this league in Calvin Johnson. And he had a name for himself as Megatron. It was one of his favorite receivers until Detroit couldn't really get the job done. They make it into the playoffs, but couldn't win playoff series. And it wasn't the same since Jim Caldwell left. 
that's unfortunate for Detroit. And Detroit fans, they have been begging for a winning season. And it never happened. Instead, it ran down the careers of Stafford, it ran down the careers of Calvin Johnson, and it ran down the careers of Barry Sanders. And it hasn't gotten better since then. So if you were Detroit, they did the right thing. Matt is only 33 years old. And if you're the Rams, you got to be happy about this because you're going to get at least five years out of Stafford at best until then because you're not going to get a first-round pick until 2024. After you traded away two first-round picks, you trade away Jared Goff, and so by 2024, hopefully beyond then, you might get a first-round pick and then eventually use it on a quarterback at least the next up-and-coming talent. But at this point right now, because think about it, Los Angeles is such a money-hungry market. That's just the way it is. The Lakers, they spent big money to go in and get in LeBron, and LeBron said, I want Anthony Davis here, and it was a perfect match. It was a perfect match made in harmony. And they won a championship. They might be going for championship number two in a row. The Dodgers... Always seem to be in the postseason. They've been in the World Series twice, but could never get the job done. Instead, we got to get that kid Mookie Betts. Because right now, Boston made the biggest mistake out of all of them. And that's how the Dodgers land Mookie Betts, and they go and win the World Series. The Chargers, they got Justin Herbert, who not a lot of people thought he would be playing this crazy out of his mind on a rookie season. But there are a lot of high hopes about Herbert, and there's a lot of high hopes about Brandon Staley. And the Chargers are making some serious moves. So if you're the Rams today, you got to make this thing work. That's all Sean McVay is trying to do. They're trying to make this thing work. In an L.A. market where it is hungry, you are either the best or nobody's going to watch you. Nobody's going to watch you. That's it. That's all that's going to happen. So if they don't make this thing work with Matthew Stafford, the Rams, unfortunately, that team is boring in Los Angeles. That's how it is. Listen, you got celebrities that live in Los Angeles, okay? The one thing they want to watch they want to watch some of those big-time James Cameron movies or maybe Steven Spielberg or a lot. The ones that really catch your attention that had the theatrics and they've got the best actors and actresses in the business. They don't want a movie that's a complete dud. It's good, but then eventually it just becomes boring. It runs off. That's what the Rams had to do. They almost felt like they were going to be a team that, yeah, they got Aaron Donald. Yeah, they got Jalen Ramsey. But then you got Jared Goff, and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. So that's it. So if you're the Rams today, you got to be happy about this. But for Sean McVay and for Les Snead and for Stan Kroenke, I mean, that's how the LA market was. Nine draft picks all together. Nine of them. All gone. And they won't have one until 2024. And that is it. So they got to make this thing work with Matthew Stafford. But for Stafford, prove us wrong. We've been hearing about this talent stuff for years. There are no excuses. You have a run game. 
You have an offensive line, you have weapons, and you got a defense. So make this thing work. Otherwise, this will be a complete dud in the works, and you lost the draft picks on that. All right, um, let's shift to you know for, for Detroit's side of this because now they're getting Jared Goff, and we don't know. Maybe this could be a, an uprising for Jared Goff. He's no longer in California. He goes into a, a, a hardworking city in Detroit. It's hard. It's hard living, and that's just how it is. So it'll be interesting. Um, but ultimately, the what the Lions are going to get, they're going to get first-round picks. They're going to get first-round picks. But what's interesting about this, you see a lot of these teams in the NFL that every year, it always seems to be the same sob stories. You see the Lions. You see the Jets. You see the Jaguars. You see a lot. Houston, a bunch of these teams always seem to be in the draft that always seem to be at the at the top tens. Why is that? Sometimes that always starts with your ownership because it's ownership, it's general managing, it's head coach, and then it's quarterback, and then it's offensive line. That's the tiers. So the ownerships, I mean, the Ford family, when it comes to the Detroit Lions, they don't even know how to even make this team work. That's why some people are either pushing for sell the damn team. And I can tell you, it's interesting to see how Detroit could be. Because listen, the Detroit Tigers, they've won a World Series before. They're an interesting team. As long as Miguel Cabrera is still there on the Tigers, the Tigers are going to be interesting. But they won't be as finesse and dynamic. That's just how it is. Look at the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Dylan Larkin. And it's unfortunate with Henrik Zetterberg because of the fact of he lost to an injury. Detroit, I remember watching a documentary about some of the Russian players who were were big-time players that played with Steve Eiserman, and the, Detroit was dynamic. They were interesting. They were fun to watch. It was a great documentary, too, because it ended up talking about these players and it ended up talking about their, their homeland in Russia. It's a great documentary. Check it out. But Detroit at that point, they had some interesting players. They won a Stanley Cup not too long ago, and then eventually things just hit rock bottom. Now they're trying to build themselves back up, and I don't know how long that process will be, but they do have a starting piece in Dylan Larkin. That's all they have right now until they make this thing work. Then you've got the Detroit Pistons. Okay, the Pistons were not as dynamic since Isaiah Thomas and the Detroit Bad Boys. That was the only time. Then eventually... It got all the way down to Ben Wallace, to Chauncey Billups, to Rip Hamilton. And after that finals, they just became irrelevant again. So when you look at the Detroit Lions, they've always been irrelevant. They've never been to a Super Bowl. Hell, I don't even remember the last time they even won a playoff game. It's bad. This is why this needs to be a different setting. This needs to be a different setting for the Detroit Lions. And when I looked at Dan Campbell and his interview, good God, I'm not looking for a wrestling type of interview. I'm looking for a grown-up, a guy who sees the problem, who knows that this is a dysfunctional organization, one that needs a lot of work. It's a mess. It's crazy. But it, it, hopefully Detroit makes this right. 
because with all these first round picks and with all of this, it, it it's not it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good for quite a while. So, uh, going to be taking at least a little bit of a short break from here. But when we come back, uh, one of my good call, one of my uh, my good special guests here up on the show, uh, Jerry uh, Jeremy Case is going to be joining me. We're going to be talking a lot about hockey because you know what? I'm excited that hockey has been back, but there are a few complications we want to end up talking about, and of course, latest news that's buzzing right now in hockey. So you guys do not want to end up missing that going to be taking a small break and we will be back shortly on the snake on the snake sports talk show. So, folks, of course, there are a couple of shows here on the Spotlight Sports Network that you can definitely check out. Well, one of them is if you guys loved Royal Rumble this past weekend, which I sure as hell did, I loved the fact that Edge is going to be in WrestleMania, and I'm hoping he gets that gig against Roman Reigns. I think that would be a great match. Uh, not to mention Bianca Belair uh, against Asuka. I, Royal Rumble was great. Royal Rumble was great last weekend. If you guys didn't end up catching that live stream, but you guys are diehard wrestling fans, definitely check out Malgooly, a.k.a. Malcolm Bean, in the um, the Ghoulie zone here on the Spotlight Sports Network. If you guys are diehard Jet fans and you guys love the rumor buzzes and so much more, definitely check out Gang Green David here on the network as well. And finally, since baseball is going to be around the corner you guys are diehard Met fans, and you guys are also diehard Raider fans. Definitely check out the one house you go to for all the great contents and entertainment at Hammer's House here on the Spotlight Sports Network. So, you know, the hockey season's been very interesting. And, I mean, it's one that it's a little bit shortened. And there are a bunch of competitive teams. We've got different divisions. But it's been kind of odd. It's been kind of odd all through and through. But... I just seriously think that there are <laughs> there I mean there this I mean this is kind of one that like I've watched all every single one of these players I've watched all these moves everything and there are a bunch of teams that are on my mind that I think are competitive can be competitive and some like I said about Detroit they're going to be um they're going to be rebuilding but it's going to be interesting but I do have however I do have one special guest up on here that's going to help me out 
to really kind of seeing how this hockey season has really been panning out. So joining me here now on the Spotlight Sports Network via the Global Satellite Network presented by StreamYard, Jeremy Case here. So uh, Jeremy, it's good meeting you, man, and it's good seeing you. Uh, you know, you and I, we've been watching this hockey season, and so far it's been filled of just, thank God hockey's back, and we've had a lot of really good stuff so far. But then there's some oddities that's been happening through the season. Number one, a couple of teams postponing. What has been your thoughts about this hockey season so far? Well, I mean, certainly it hasn't really been as affected as so say so it's a counterpart NBA or the NFL. I mean, there's been a couple hiccups here and there with, with the hockey uh, COVID protocols, uh, you know, couple stammers here and there, but hasn't really been anything really too major as, as, as far as it's gone. I mean, we've had uh, obviously the teams that most of America is having trouble with down in Florida and Dallas, you know, they're having issues with it. Um, so Tampa Bay a little bit, and then uh, the the big one obviously was was Washington, them going through uh, their whole debacle with, the, with with teammates being in the rooms without no masks on. Um, it, it you know it's just it's kind of hard uh, for I, I think for any athlete in any sport right now. You know I mean you're, you're asking players to be locked up in a room twenty four seven before a game, and it's and it's yeah. definitely difficult. You. It's uh, it's it's almost uh, I guess I want to say like against all human nature to do that to it to any human being at all is to just say hey stay isolated for about I don't know eight to ten hours a day and then you can come out and see your friends you know it's 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 kind of hard in that aspect and the NHL has been uh you know all the NHL players are kind of just kind of on par with that they they kind of just uh they're they're having difficulties with it as well. But it definitely hasn't been affected as as much as any of the other sports so far. Right. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, Jeremy, because we were coming off of a year where, for one, I mean, I thought the year was going by smoothly. And it was very interesting because we knew exactly who our competitive teams were. We knew some teams that were going to be rebuilding. Then, of course, the COVID pandemic hits. And it stops everything. It stops everything. We didn't even know exactly when hockey was going to make a comeback. They weren't sure if the Stanley Cup playoffs was going to even start. And then finally, we had the plans from Commissioner Gary Bettman where no hockey's going to be coming back. We're bringing the we're bringing the, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs back, but it was going to be in a different uh, playoff format. And I thought it was great. I thought it, it worked out perfectly where they had two neutral sites from Edmonton to Toronto and then worked it all the way down to where we got a Stanley Cup champion in the end of it. And now here we are at this point, and I, I totally agree because the fact of locking some of these players in, in their rooms, quarantining until they're ready to come back up onto the ice. These are some of the difficult challenges that even for not just hockey, but even for other sports as well, that they've been trying to, you know, get through these obstacles, find ways to really, you know, keep players healthy, keep them out on the field in the ice. And it's been kind of a rough challenge, but it's not a challenge that anybody's backing away from. They're trying to find new innovative ideas. So my thing of this is because now with it shortened up, has it kind of pushed a lot of teams, maybe even some that are like kind of the more mid-tier, the ones that are kind of middle of the pack, has that kind of pushed some motivation for them to be working better and maybe potentially becoming an interesting team to make the playoffs? 
Well, I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you can kind of see that as well. And it's also a little bit difficult as well with the, with the emergence of, of now you can have three goaltenders and now you have a taxi squad that you can pick and pull from. Um, injuries are starting to rear their ugly head now with, with teams because there was a, 10 days of training camp. There was no preseason. You know, it's, it's, it's starting to catch up um, with, with most of the teams. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there are some teams that you really didn't expect to make a big splash that are right now. You yeah. know, those, te- those being Montreal right now, they're, they're making huge, huge strides. I mean, they do have a lot of talent, but nobody saw them coming out. And then, you know, uh, Florida. Florida has a, a decent team as well if they can just kind of stay within those, you know, COVID protocols. And it's been kind of a sticky situation with them down there with their arena, kind of been canceling events. It's not necessarily all COVID, but you know, and 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 you know, Dallas got off to a hot start, and but uh, you know, they they got now. You're seeing with all these COVID protocols as well is a lot of teams have to make up a lot of ground in a short amount of time. Yeah, you know, the the, the stars in particular, they got to play like I think it's like something like uh, they got to play like 58 games in 105 days. It's 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 gonna get rough, and I'm not so sure that that the stars even make it back to the playoffs this year. I mean, that's, that's a lot, that's a lot of, of grinding and, and just the dog days of, of the mid season. I granted it's only 65 games and not 82, but sure that, that also goes to my other point on the other way. Like most of these teams, you know, you don't have that 30 game cushion like you usually do anymore. You know, there's not that right. 30 or so game cushion. It's 65, not 82 games. And, and, you know, teams, and especially now, it's, and now we're kind of seeing a t- sort of type of baseball format as well. There's back to backs, there's three, four in a row. You're kind of seeing teams face each other four times. I mean, in the Canadian, the North Division, the Scotia Bank Division, you got every every team's going to face each other ten times because they're all kind of locked up there in Canada. So I mean, it's it's definitely it's so hard to put your thumb on anything right now. Yeah, I, not to it, mention too some of these teams that that. They, they're not used to some of them that are outside of those divisions either, and they'll never get a chance to face them unless they're in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and that's about it. So I can kind of see where the challenge is, is really going to be met from there because, I mean, I live here in Las Vegas, and we've got the Vegas Golden Knights that they've been out. They had the postponement because of the fact of COVID protocols, and now I got the news. They ain't going to be playing until Friday against the LA Kings, so now – those two games against San Jose are basically done. They're postponed. And now they got to find, you know, they got to figure out a way really to bounce back. The coaching staff will be there. That's a good thing. But now you just kind of have to pick the pieces up a little bit. And now you got to find some way to get yourselves motivated and get going. Absolutely. And, and Vegas is one of those difficult hot spots as well. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not exactly all closed down on the strip right there. And, and guys, you know, teams coming in and out. You know, not necessarily, uh, you know, wanting to stay around or stick around. And there's a little bit more leeway out in those cities than there is in, in other cities. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely weird. And the other thing, too, is a playoff structure this year. Uh, you know, there is no conferences. There's just divisions. So yeah. more than likely, you can have uh, two teams that would be ideally in the same conference facing each other in the Stanley Cup finals. You could have two teams from the Western Conference or that were in the Western Conference, or you could have two teams that were in the Eastern Conference face each other in the Stanley Cup finals this year. 
Yeah, isn't that isn't that some type of oddity right there? Because usually it would be east or west, and and I've I've never seen that before in my life. I think that would be probably one of the most strangest things that could happen. But I just think even so, it'll be very interesting to see how this all pans out until we get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. But and I'm I agree with you with that, with especially the you know the the, the timetables and the cushions because the 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 players I think of are the goaltenders and defensemen because these guys, I mean, yeah. And a lot of these other players as well, they get hit every time you think about the goaltenders having to block every single shot left and right. And it stings. I mean, you're you're let, yeah, yeah, you're sore. You're sore from the neck down. So, you know, when you think about the timetable, it's like, are they really going to have enough rest time to get back up, get the pads back on, continuing to play solid and push for a championship. I I mean that's a difficult task if you ask me. Absolutely, and you can see it right now when it's kind of rearing its head as well. A lot of D lines, a lot of back ends are not really showing up that well. Uh, th- that's why there's all these high scoring games. You know, it, it's 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 uh it's crazy to to hit to try and hit it over under yeah. anymore now because it, it's there's there's anywhere between six to ten goals a game. And and you see a lot of games right now in the early going being pushed to overtime, being pushed to shootouts. You know, there's hardly any games decided in regulation right now. So I think, honestly, we're going to see a lot of these teams' identities about four from six, four to six weeks from now when we sure. kind of get really into the thick of it. You know, it, it, a lot of, you know, my I guess my message to a lot of fans is just let's everybody just calm down. It's early. You know, don't panic about your team just yet. Even if they are doing horrible, you know, don't don't hit the panic button. Don't don't necessarily get too excited either. You know, I mean, you saw the Colorado Avalanche. We got out to a really hot start, and now yeah. now we can only dress. Uh, I think it was only eleven skaters tomorrow night. You know, mm-hmm. half the team's injured. You know, yeah. McKinnon, McKinnon's out. Sod's out. Taves is out. Like we 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 we're dealing with a lot a lot of injuries right now, and so it's just kind of I mean luckily now then last year when we had them happen in the second round of the playoffs and it 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 definitely came back to to bite us against Dallas and we ultimately ended up losing to them but it it's just like my point stands don't get too excited don't get too down on your team just yet you know it's. Four to six weeks. Let's just give it time. Let's have patience. Let's give it uh, not to have a. Let's not have the microwave society we kind of currently live in. Let's let's uh, let's let's kind of wait things out. Uh, you know, and I said before, sixty-five to eighty-two. That's kind of the key thing for teams to remember this year. You, you you don't like I said, you don't have that cushion. You 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 gotta you gotta figure things out a little bit quicker than you usually would, because it's gonna go fast, especially with this three, four games in a row and you only have, you might play four games in five days, you know? Right. So that, that, that goes fast. That goes quick. And you may, uh, your team may, you know, I don't know. They, they may treat it like baseball, double headers and give all the effort the first game and not so much the second game, but it, it it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna kind of rear its ugly head at some point And, you know, now we're seeing that you're going to see more of the true importance of how how beneficial it could be just to take a game to overtime, not to necessarily win it, but just to take it and get that one point. 
it's mm-hmm. probably going to make a difference between those third and fourth spots and some of those uh, those uh, divisions there. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because, you know, you think about it, um, pushing those games into overtime, the much-needed important points, because you know what? It's better to come away with a point than to come away with nothing. Um, and I, I agree with you. I, I, I think that, yeah, you're, you're going to see an absolute difference of it. That's why, to me, like, I, I mean, listen, I've already put an asterisk on college football. It was a dud. It was an absolute dud because if it had not been for the pandemic, we would not be talking about certain teams like Coastal Carolina or Cincinnati or some of these other programs. You know, we wouldn't do that because we know who our Power Five conference are. We know exactly who our tough um, programs are in the nation. And, they, you know, they, th- this would not happen. Uh, it's kind of this the similar situation when it comes to hockey because of the fact of – and I would ask, too, this has to be beneficial – in some ways for the goaltenders, because the amount of guys they have, I mean, I think of it this way with the golden Knights, because I have been saying this for to Vegas fans everywhere. There's no differences. When you look at it from flurry and from Leonard's standpoint, they're both solid starters. One of them, of course, is going to have a bad night and the other one's going to pick them up. But if you think about it, like a baseball rotation, if your first two starters are not solid, then you have the back end of the rotation for a reason because it's to help to reshape, refocus, and recover so that by that next start, they can come out and, and th- they'll be a completely different player. And, and, and I feel like with this, with having the amount of goaltenders that they have, maybe it even would bring up an up-and-coming guy that might get a few reps here and there. But I would have to say it's kind of beneficial in in, in a way for the goaltenders because it's going to give each of them some much needed rest if possible. Yeah, I mean you're going to see a, you're going to see a lot of uh, I guess we could call it in football terms running back by committee. You're going to yeah. see a lot of goalie by committee committee this year. You're going to see a lot of rest, a lot of backups starting in on other uh, other back-to-back nights you're going to see that and then like you said there might be some diamonds in the rough you know Michael Hutchinson last year for the Avalanche he emerged as the third goalie in the playoffs when both Grubauer and Francois were hurt and they were done That's you know right. there, there there could be that diamond in the rough just absolutely just waiting in your system that that now because of that you're allowed to carry the three goalies it might actually end up benefiting you and you might not even know it I mean, but it also could hurt as well because uh, some minor league systems are playing, some are not. Um, it just depends on how ready those guys are and what the, exactly they're doing uh, when they're yeah. when they're on the taxi squad. It, I, I imagine they're all running practices. I don't imagine. I can't imagine anybody just sitting around right now um, in the NHL season. But right. yeah, there's there, there could be an emergence of that, like you said, and and it's going to be very much goalie by committee. It's going to be it's you're going to see a lot of trading off and uh, you're not going to, you're not going to see a, a, like a, a really star Wars stats year for a goalie this year to win the Vesna. It's not really going to happen. It's just, it's, it's going to just be, Hey, let's, let's do what we can to carry the team um, into the playoffs. And, and, you know, especially for injury ridden teams, they're going to be leaning more on that rest than than most other teams, you know, because now there's, now there's four places to get into for a playoff spot now. So right. it you don't you don't necessarily have to get first. So you know, it just it becomes kind of that type of uh of of a philosophy and, and strategies for teams. 
Right. And if you think about it, I mean, it's go big or go home at this point because, you, you, you know, it, and like you mentioned about goalie depth, if we've learned anything, I mean, my God, look at the Philadelphia Flyers. It took them that many goaltenders until they finally settled on Carter Hart. And then they just decided, OK, we need at least some depth. That's who we're going with. That's these guys. So um, it's it's going to be very strange, very interesting. But you're absolutely right. It is putting the team first. It's making those adjustments because that's what separates the men from the boys. Those are the ones that are willing to do whatever it takes. And if you actually think about it, like with the capital situation, Alex Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and a bunch of them, they got hit with COVID. And it's an unfortunate situation, but at the same time, they knew they could have done better. And that was the part that even as a captain standpoint, you have to put the team first before anything. And that's the part of... I have to learn this as a person, but I have to learn this as a leader that if we are going to get to the promised land and win Sir Stanley, these are the sacrifices and these are the adjustments we have to make in order for us to not just be a good team, but be a better team in the long run. And that's what a lot of these teams are are, are going to figure out through and through by the time we get to the tail end of the season. So Jeremy Case here joining me on the Spotlight Sports Network. So I want to shift to this because I think this has been some interesting news buzzes already in the last couple of days. But the Tony D'Angelo thing. Now, I'm going to say this. I thought last year Tony D'Angelo had a hell of a season. I mean, he he's a guy that's capable of scoring. He's a guy that, you know, sometimes can be impactful in some ways. But after the altercations between him and Alexander Gorgiev in the locker room, it's made clear that the the Rangers, they're trying to do whatever it takes to get him out because it just kind of seems like there is a broken relationship in that locker room. Now, if or if they can't, because I'm looking at it from just both standpoints in both parties, if they cannot, let's th- let's talk about that question first. If they can't make this trade happen, what do the Rangers really have to do in order to make this work? I mean, it, I I really don't know where like what what another option is for that. I mean, you got a guy who's clearly causing problems in a locker room, yeah. Um, in, in more than just one way. I mean, we also kind of seen this self manifest itself uh, as well with the Patrick Line situation in Winnipeg before he got shipped off to Columbus. Oh, yeah. I mean, there there was there was rumblings about how certain teammates didn't i guess there were certain teammates that didn't want uh a finished player to to be better than any of the other finished players in in winnipeg jets history which is kind of really an odd form of like racism to me i don't yeah. understand that it, it's it's very very weird and very it's almost like just, baseball when it comes to an unwritten rule like yeah, that like there's an unwritten rule there that we're, you and i are not seeing yeah, just it's it's just I I don't understand that I don't get that but uh I I don't see how you could not want success for your teammates in any way shape or form but uh thus is so and this is the reality of it I mean yeah. if, if they can't move him then I mean you might see kind of see what happened with the Pierre du, uh Pierre Luc Dubois situation in Columbus you might just see him you know be a healthy scratch night in night out you know uh wow. just just as either or hit very, very limited playing time. Um, you know, it's, it's really, really hard in, in any sport when you got a guy who's really disrupting the, the chemistry on the team like that, it's, uh, it's hard to, to, to get behind it. And the, the Rangers are struggling 
really hard because of it. And and you saw that too with, with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Columbus before he got shipped off to Winnipeg. Columbus was was struggling now and now that they've got him out and they've got him shipped off. They're doing just fine. They're sitting right on top of that central division. They're great. They're in great shape. So it's just one of those things where it's like, it, it's as, as long as it festers and long as it lingers, it's going to affect your team, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and you got guys, you know, you got 99% of the guys in that room, that locker room, wanting to play, wanting to do it, what's best for the team. And wanting to win and and win any way they can, and then you just got that one guy who just is dragging feet for whatever reason. Um, I, and it's just it, it's really really an unfortunate situation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and 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 especially when you've got that much heat in the room, and it, it's just kind of yeah, you want to eliminate the cancers as much as you possibly can. I think it was kind of unfortunate with the, you know, the, the line a situation, because it seemed like it was a teeter totter effect. I don't understand that situation either because I'm just like, well, think about it. You, you, you sold yourself on a number two pick because this was right after Austin Matthews. And, you know, a lot of people are thinking, no, Patrick line is going to be even better. And then I see spurts of line a being better in certain offenses, but it's just, it's unfortunate now with Winnipeg, with that whole situation. And now they got Pierre Luc Dubois. Now you've got Lion A in Columbus. And it, it's going to be interesting to really see how that pans out. But even so, in this particular situation, this is a cancer that just needs to that just needs to go. So now let's go into this portion because D'Angelo is getting paid annually about four and a half. It's close to five million a year. And it's going to continue on until that next year. So and I'm sure there are some teams. If you can narrow the teams down, uh, you know, in the back of your mind, who would be suitable to going and making a move for Tony D'Angelo? Because I know right now it kind of seems like after the pandemic hit, there are some cap hits for some, and it kind of seems like they're they're money tight and they're not sure if they can take on a contract like that. But if there are some teams that can, who are the teams that you think would be interested in picking up Tony D'Angelo? Um, I'm I'm not really too sure of of really teams cap situations as it, where where it stands. I know a few are in uh, a pretty pretty big predicament as far as caps goes, like the Arizona Coyotes, you know, the, the Ottawa Senators. They're they're not really in positions to to really take on contracts like that. Um, but you know, there's I mean, Buffalo could use some back end help, <laughs> like Angelo, you know. But I'm not so sure how much you want to trade him just up the road like that. And I'm right. sure I don't, I'm not sure you want to show your hand like that. Cause this is after all a, a, a defenseman coming off a 60 point season, you know, very productive, very high productive for, for that position. So it, it's really just going to come down to, like you said, what teams can take on that type of cap hit. What, what, what can they, what can they do? Can't they do the, that situation is even gloomy as well with, with the whole pandemic. And uh, now the NHL, you know, not necessarily sure of where their TV rights are going to go. There's big, big speculation on that. Um, so it's just kind of all up in the air, but uh, you know, as we've seen with the Pierre Luc Dubois situation, uh, a deal can be done, you know, just like that with, within a day or so. So, it's really going to come down to, and, and it's, I'm not, I'm not so sure that that teams are going to 
teams should I don't think teams should be too quick to make a move on a guy like this. Sure. You have to remember, you know, when when there's when there's disruption like that, you know, it could it could be anywhere. It doesn't it's not limited to one place. It's not that's what Winnipeg fans need to be aware of. You know, Pierre quit on his team. Right. He quit on his team. And who's to say that when he gets unhappy in Winnipeg, he's not going to do the same. Right. You and know, you, say there's a contractual about, situation or anything like that. Yeah. And you think about it. I mean, look, Columbus is just like, it, it, they're like one of those bugs that just don't seem to die. You know, it's interesting because they always seem to come back with something new. You know, and Columbus was the team that before they traded in getting Matt Duchesne, they got Ryan Dezingle, they had a bunch of guys that were there on contracts until our team. Yeah, Artemi yeah. Panarin ended up signing that big time deal, and then even without those guys, they still managed to make the damn playoffs. So it's like it, 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 it's like anything could happen at this point. But to give up on your team like that, and you know, because listen, John Tortorella is a hell of a coach. I mean, he's a hell of a oh, coach. Yeah, yeah he, he says whatever's on his mind. He doesn't care about what media does, like media says or does. But as long as the team stays competitive. And again, as long as Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones are solid in defense, that's a team that's going to be very interesting to watch, but they won't be very impactful as far as depth goes in the playoffs, but there'll be some, there'll be a team that punches their ticket in, but I'm, I'm with you on that. Definitely teams have to really weigh it out, play the money game, because I'm sure that there are some that are out there that are feeling, okay, which contracts do we see right now that are kind of like dead contracts to us? Because if that's the case, if you're trying to get rid of that dead money, then maybe there's a 50-50, if not maybe a 60-40 deal that could happen. And then it would be beneficial. But you're absolutely right. You don't want to end up jumping onto this deal right away until you actually see what's all there written black and white. And it sounds good you know, as far as the sales pitch goes. So I know it's a situation that it sucks for the Rangers, but you know, if you want to make this deal right, yeah, you got to sell them the best way possible. But then, of course, there's teams that they're overlooking this and they're thinking, okay, we just have to see what we've got, and if we can manage this, maybe we could come to some sort of a deal and give them a new change of scenery. But without he, without mortgaging your entire future for it, though, that's the key. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, because that is the key. Because yeah, the the building the future is the most important thing. I even said this about you know VGK. Because the whole point of last season was to develop the future. And that's with Cody Glass, that's with Nick Haig, that's with Dylan Coughlin, and even for Keegan Colsar, and eventually Dylan Ferguson. But that's all of building the for the future for the next few years ahead. And yeah, you have to be able to protect your future. I mean, it's in baseball, you've got your farm system. You got to be able to protect your farm system as much as you can because some of these kids, they'll come out and they're very impactful right away. And, and uh, another- Another situation you're going to see that in as well is is expansion draft. We got the expansion draft this summer. That's right. Coming into the league. So that, that's also another thing of, that goes into protecting your future as well. Yeah. So l- let me ask you about this. Since you brought this up about the expansion draft, because now that we're having the Seattle Kraken, and I don't, I don't think they'll be as impactful as like when the Vegas Golden Knights first expanded. I don't think they're going to have one of those magical seasons where it just it happens in year one. I've, I will be the one to say this, and I said this since that first year. I think that first year was a fluke, for one, because they rode this battle cry. Everybody connected at that point. They got a taste 
but they had to figure out their identity. And I feel like, Jeremy, they found that the second Mark Stone became captain because they want to be aggressive on offense. They want to be very efficient on defense because that has been a problem and they need to be better at puck passing. My God, I can't begin to tell you how many times I watch back and forth. Puck never gets through the neutral ice and they always seem to try to do the grab and go, but then there's turnovers that happen. So with this expansion draft now for the Seattle Kraken, what are some of the ins and outs we might expect out of this and you know are they going to be one of those you know those teams that yeah they're going to develop over the times but could they potentially be something interesting and probably something worth watching for the next couple of years well i think i think a lot of teams the first time around because it, it had been the first time the nhl expanded in a while yeah. you know they they kind of learned their lesson the hard way with Vegas, you know, they, now they, they kind of, they kind of got burned pretty good. And, and, and now they kind of understand that, oh, okay, well now we have to really make our decisions a lot uh, more uh, cautiously than, than, than we had to before. So I, I, and, and not only that, uh, I was kind of going through, there's all these caveats and rules of, 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 of an expansion draft. Uh, one particular thing I did see that might, hinder the Kraken's chance of getting pretty good players is that if a player has been injured for longer than 60 games, he's ineligible. Yeah. He can't be, he can't be eligible to be drafted. And with all these injuries, all these long-term injuries happen to all these teams. I mean, you know, we see the guy like a John, like Jonathan Taves in Chicago, he's out for like the whole season. So because yeah. of that, Chicago is not going to be able to dump him off. Now a guy like Patrick Kane, I can see that happening because those are the two biggest salary dumps they need to have on their team. They're they're in a they're in a cap purgatory right now, and they can't yeah, seem to get out of it. A lot of old contracts. I mean, you have yeah. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, a bunch of these guys, and they needed to have it happen. Yeah, and and, and I can see like a guy like a Patrick Kane coming to Seattle, Seattle snapping him up, being one of those big names. But I don't think they're going to be as abundant as they were with Vegas, just because of strictly that little caveat right there. Yeah. Uh, I mean. And, and 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 not only that, a lot of teams, I think they learned their lesson the first time around with Vegas. I I, I don't think really the GMs were kind of privy to it because it it had been, I think it had been almost twenty years since the since the NHL expanded. I yeah. think uh, with the Atlanta Thrashers were the last one, if I if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I think the Atlanta Thrashers were. I mean, there was a relocation with them and going back to Winnipeg. Winnipeg. So, it, it, you know, it was kind of like a revival effect, but at the same time, they never really had a team that just expanded until Vegas happened. Um, and I will say this because I paid attention to hockey a couple times. I wasn't big on it only because I had family who lived in New York. They were Rangers fans. And, you know, I kind of learned bits and pieces of the game and didn't really follow up with it until the expansion happened. When I saw the ins and outs, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but ownership is everything because if you got the oh, yeah. smart owners who are invested in these teams, whether it's expanded, whether it's relocated, if they're making moves that they're not just thinking about, you know, the, the, the building of the fan bases and keeping it strong, but they're also thinking about, we want to be competitive. We want to get more fans in the stands. We want to get all of this happening. And what I saw with Vegas all through there, I thought this was probably the most successful expanded franchise I've ever seen in my life because guys would take all the players that they 
got from the expansion draft, which one of them, I couldn't believe Pittsburgh up and down, like up and out, got rid of Fleury. And I yeah, said that was that they, they were going to, yeah, they were going to ripple because of it. And now they're trying to get this to work with Tristan Jari. But, um, but with all those players that they inquired, um, they still managed to make moves. And it was funny because they get all these players, but they weren't quite done yet. They were like, no, we're going to work trade after trade after trade because we want to establish our system. We want to establish our minor league system for the most part because that's where Cody Glass, Reed Duke, and a lot of these guys come into play. And they want to build that more for the potentiality. We don't want to be just become competitive for the first three years. No, we want to be competitive for seven. You know, And that's the kind of the whole idea. And a lot of people kind of got this they kind of got this mixed up. Nobody expected Vegas to be in the cup in one year. Nobody. But they were willing to make the playoffs in five years. Cup in three. I kind of reiterated, I think, could they potentially make the cup in th- three times within the five years? That would be very interesting. But still be competitive and maybe pushing for a seven-year um, playoff appearance until maybe they have to take a step back because of cap reasons, because of other reasons as well. So I, I, I mean, I look at Seattle, you're in a brand new city. I'm not, I'm not sure how weather is going to really impact there because it's very moist. It rains a lot. Um, and, and, and I think this is kind of interesting because they're usually a basketball and football town. So you think this might be successful for Seattle moving forward? Oh, yeah. I mean, I live in Seattle, so I see it every day. Mm-hmm. This town is just as passionate about the Kraken as they are about the Seahawks. For every Seahawks sticker I see, I see a Kraken shirt, a Kraken face mask, a Kraken beanie. They are really, really serious about it, and they haven't even played a game yet. They don't even have a team. They don't even wow. know who's going to be on their team. Uh, th- this town, I'm telling you, like the sports teams in this town are used as a marketing tool for businesses. That's yeah, that's, how, right. that's, that's how I've never seen it. Cause I, I was born and raised in Denver and I moved up here and like, I've never seen so many sports logos all over just particular businesses. I mean, there, there's two different types of uniforms you can choose at your employment. It's either your workers uniform or you can wear a Seahawks Jersey. Those are the two types of, 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 of employment uniforms you have up here. That's how passionate this city is about its sports. And 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 the Kraken are no are, are no uh you know, they're not any different. Yeah. You know, so uh, there's a lot, lot of growing hype up here for them. And uh, you know, to go along with what you said, with you know, you gotta you gotta have a good team and you gotta be competitive and draft a good team, you know, the something that that Vegas didn't have to think about was you have, you have COVID now Mm -hmm. and, and there's no fans currently allowed inside arenas and you've sold all your season tickets out. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's tough about here. I mean, I know a couple people that are season ticket holders and listen, I'm only 15, 20 minutes away from where T-Mobile arena is. And I've been in that arena 13 times and I've been to one playoff game there against the Kings and I've never seen it be so empty like that. And there's just crickets. There's so much of that that was happening. And again, I'll never experience this again in my life. I'm hoping I don't. Uh, 
because that, that that's right. just one you can't wrap around your head. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's crazy though, but it, but this is actually pretty good for a guy that lives in Seattle, sees this, experiences this, because even here, nobody was big time hockey fans until the Vegas Golden Knights happened. And now the fan base is grown so strong. And a lot of people are like, ah, Raider Nation, they're going to take over. It's not going to be that easy. It's yeah. not going to be that easy really to take over a fan base. Because listen, yeah, you're going to get people from California on to come up out here to rep Raider Nation. But at the same time, as far as fan base wise, you can't compete with that with VGK. You can't. That is yeah, but- established and that's what was born here. That's why I'm like, I'll be a Golden Knight fan till the day I die for my hometown just because of you know a lot of things and a lot of memories I've had from there. It, you know, it's impossible really to change colors. Well, the, yeah, there's a difference between relocation and expansion. Yep. There's a clear, yeah. clear difference there. I mean, you're talking about basically inheriting a team and then starting a team. So, like, I, I, I expect nothing short of what you've seen in Vegas up here in Seattle. We're getting a brand new team. We're not inheriting a team from anybody. Yeah. Or any or anything or anywhere else. So I I especially, you know, those those days of the Sonics and and how loud we've known to uh see the Seahawks Stadium get. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't imagine a lackluster fan base for hockey. I just can't. I mean, you're right up here, you're near the Canadian border, you know, it's just it it's it was a perfect place for the NHL to expand. I really didn't even think about this was a city that was great for any sport to expand to that nobody really ever thinks about. I mean, Everybody's- my God, I was hoping for the revival of the Supersonics, man. I mean, all of us, I thought, as basketball fans, we were going- wait about five years. Just wait about five years because <laughs> there has been growing talks with David Stern. He has been making room for the budget for expansion, and he said he, he's he's been Macy, uh, making. Uh, recent rumors that they're going to expand to two cities. And I think those two cities are going to be Seattle and Vegas. I really do. I I can't, I can't see the NBA not going to Vegas Mm -hmm. and I can't see them not coming back to Seattle because when the supersonics left, they, the NBA promised them that the first sports team that they would get back would be the supersonics. And they kind of lied about it because now we got the Kraken and, and then all they, before the supersonics left, they go, well, we just need a new arena. Well, now we got a new arena. He, you know, uh, climate pledge arena is, is being renovated right now. It's being built on it's, it's being structured to, to house more fans. So I'm, I, I, I'm not going to jump ahead here, but it's, I'd say it's, it's pretty, pretty well going to, you know, it's pretty well predicted that it's going to happen. I, I can't see it not. Yeah, I, and neither can I. I mean, it, it it's it's a historical franchise. I mean, watching Sean Kemp and watching Gary Payton and, you know, even so, I mean, you had Kevin Durant at one point be a draft pick from Seattle, you know, and I don't um, I, 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 I don't not ever see it not happening. That's that's just that's nonsense. And that's absurd because, you know, and, and, and we had rumor buzzes about Vegas having a uh, expanded NBA team and you know what i think i think it would be really good for the market and to be totally honest i've been having arguments about that because you look at some of the players right now and some of these teams in the nba i had one in particular i put on the spot milwaukee the only reason milwaukee is still a franchise and correct me if i'm wrong is because of Giannis. 
Yep. If Giannis did not happen, that that town would just be nothing but big time cheeseheads. That's yep. all it would be. Or you know, you you you'll be you'll be diehard drinkers out it out there in Milwaukee watching the Brewers play every night. You know, <laughs> so that's kind of the open reality if you think about it for Wisconsin. You're either with beer or cheese. That's about it. Well, and that's the NBA too. I mean, yeah. NBA is very much a a a player makes the market type sport. Where I mean, did LA need LeBron? No, not really. LA is going to be pretty highly sought after without LeBron, with yeah. or without him. But LeBron chose to go there because of the lineage and the history, and you know he knew that that was a place that had the 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 bread and the money to put together a super team that he'd like. And it's Los Angeles. Can you really say no to it? I don't know That's anybody true. who really would. So, I mean, it, it's very much, a, a, I mean, you see it with Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets. The, he makes that franchise. You, yeah. you, you know, you see it now in Brooklyn with 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 KD and Kyrie, and you see it with them that those, those, those have made floundering teams turn into vibrant basketball cities. Now, I'll tell you this because, I mean, with Brooklyn, I'd be sold on, on Durant and Harden. I mean, very sold on those two. I'm not so sure about Kyrie. I mean, yeah. there's just bits and pieces of it, but I totally get it because think about it. It yeah. took Denver years since Carmelo to even get to this point. And now having Nikola Jokic, now having Jamal Murray, which he he caught my attention last year in the, in the playoffs. I never thought I'd see that version of him, but I'm excited to see his growth and his development. Um but I totally agree with you. And one thing I definitely want to move on to here, Jeremy Case here on the Spotlight Sports Network. So, um, so of course, I started talking about the NFL earlier. And I talked about the recent trade between Matthew Stafford going to the Rams. This was interesting to me because, for one, I'm happy for Stafford. Stafford's getting a legitimate team, and he's been looking for yes, that. for Finally. A, finally, yeah, for a long amount of years. Now, there are some bits and pieces because, one, I've been told that Stafford is talented. He's got the arm. But, listen, you're coming away from a team that was low-ranked on defense, low-ranked on offensive line, to a team that was number one in defense last year and a better offensive line. Could we see a bigger jump in an impact for the Rams? Because I know, of course, you had the, you know, you know got Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And I'll be honest... It, it, the, the Seahawks need a lot of work on that offensive line because the last thing I want to do is watch Russell Wilson get sacked six times in a game again. Like or that, him, or, I should, yeah. Or him be the sole reason that a, a drive stays alive. <laughs> right. You know, you know it, it not being the other weapons around him that he, that he currently has. Absolutely. I mean, the Rams better make this work. <laughs> like you said earlier, they better make it work because you've, you pretty much have, I mean, not that relations were great between Sean McVay and Jared Goff to begin with, because now there's growing rumors now that they've parted ways that that was the case, which I didn't even really see. And I don't think anybody else did. They kind of kept it behind yeah. closed doors pretty well. I, yeah. I had no idea there was any tension at all, but apparently Goff was treating McVay like a, like a telemarketer caller, just hanging up on him every time he call him. So I don't know. It's just, I, I I would say I, also though give it some time too though because Stafford's coming into a new system. He's ran true. one system for twelve years or that, several, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. You know he's he's coming into a brand new system. I mean, it, McVeigh is kind of 
he's kind of a, a quarterback whisperer in that aspect. You know, we we all know the 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 types of of potentials he can have with the quarterback and and what he can do with the quarterback. But um, you know, it it might come together towards the end of the season when it needs to. But starting out, I wouldn't expect fireworks quite quite right off the bat. You know, right. especially especially. Worst since we're, I, I hate to do this and keep going back to it, but we're in COVID times. You know, there's not that you, they can't even have passing camps right now. No, like you, like no you used to see, camps, no OTAs, nothing like that. There's no nothing. They they have to do it all by Zoom calls now, and so yeah. you don't without that physical presence of being there and physically getting those repetitions in. It's going to take longer. So yeah. it, it's just going to and. um I just hope that Rams fans can be patient enough. It might take a couple of years before you start to really see things start to emerge in Los Angeles. Yeah. And you know, what's kind of interesting because yeah, you mentioned about it, about, you know, the, and for what I've said before we started the show was, um, you know, Los Angeles is such a money hungry, you know, type of city. That's just how the market is. I mean, the Lakers, they get LeBron. LeBron says, I want Anthony Davis, and it's a match made in harmony. You have the Dodgers, who they've been in the postseason so many times. They couldn't get the job done to get into the World Series. They did it twice, but couldn't win it. And then they go and they get Mookie Betts. They sign a fat contract for him for the next, you know, for years, and they go and win a World Series. Then you have the Chargers with Justin Herbert's case, and nobody expected Herbert to play as much as he did like that in his rookie season alone. So it's exciting for me. Like to me, I'm a diehard Charger fan. I'd love to see how Herbert does, even against Patrick Mahomes in the same division for the next 10 years. I think that's that is a matchup worth watching. Um, but when you look at the Rams, it's like, okay, you got Aaron Donald, you got Jalen Ramsey, but you know, do you really have the right quarterback in place? And from what I was told that the Rams office, because of course they called out golf, they called out golf on the press, on the media. And from what I was told, the, the front offices and the gen, and the general manager, Les Snead, they called Jared Goff's agent and they knew how heavy they were in the cap. And they told him, listen, we have to make a pay cut. So either he's got to take a pay code or something's got to happen. So he called the agent up and they, as soon as they proposed on a pay cut for Jared Goff, the agent went right away and said, go kick rocks. And that was initially what ended up happening. And now the track, now they don't even have to deal with that no more, but nine draft picks alone for the Rams that they've given away. They've given away draft picks pre-Jared Goff before they they draft him in 16 and then they give away more and then they give him out you know so I, you know it's it's Talk superstar about mortgaging central. your future no That's, kidding it's like superstar yeah. central apparently when it comes to Los Angeles <laughs> I mean I get it that football is a very much win now mentality type sport it yeah. really is I I understand that but if 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 you know you it's it's kind of like, you know, uh, we kind of see with the Colorado Avalanche right now. A lot of talent, a lot of depth, but you're coming up on a lot of big contracts that are going to have to get repaid again. That's and right. And so it's like, now's your window. Here it is. Make it work. You know, now now's the time. You've, you've, you've lobbied. I mean, the Avalanche are not going to have any problems because 
they got a ton of depth and they got a really good minor league farm system. Yeah. You know, they, they have no issues there, but the Rams, not so much. <laughs> I know we're going sports to sport here, but it, you know, oh, yeah, you, no, we're, fo- we're, we're following on the same lines from here. Yeah. Because yeah. if you think about it, I mean, you're trying to protect your future as much as you can. And, and really the big time first round draft pick that really has been working was Aaron Donald. That's about it. Yep. And you, you, and what's interesting about that, because I've been talking about golf and it's interesting when golf sacked less, you know, when he's sacked once or less, he's a winning quarterback, but when he's sacked more than once, he's not the same. And you have to think about it. A guy who beat Seattle with a broken thumb, a guy who nearly kept it competitive against green Bay. You would think, Oh, there's no way they would have done this, but somewhere in between there. Yeah. That's when the relationship started to break and was just like, yeah, because I, I, here's what was interesting. I heard this was it wasn't, it was a certain game that made the decision. It wasn't the loss against the jets because they don't play in the same division. It wasn't the loss against Miami, not even in the same division either, but it was instead that game in their division against San Francisco against Kyle Shanahan. Now, they didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo because he was hurt. Instead, they lost to Nick Mullins. Okay, Nick Mullins, of all people. Goff had two turnovers and a fumble. And he looked bad. And from what I was told on the sideline, McVay was pissed. McVay was outraged. And he automatically got on the phone, and he he was just, he calls Stan Kroenke, and he says, Stan, I need you to get uh, less on here right now. We need to talk about this. And he says, do you believe in me? Because at this point, this is all about McVay work more than it is about golf. And that's well, where I think this is the, this is the determining factor. When you saw that throughout the entire NFC West this year, how important those division games really were. I mean, yep. the Cardinals almost crept into the playoffs and, and absolutely spoiled the Rams party and almost yeah. kicked them completely out of it. Yep. You know, it, 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 you, you see, how important those interdivisional games are. That, mm-hmm. that That's why I have a heavy feeling. That's why McVeigh did what he did, and he stressed that loss so hard because it's like it literally could come down to that. Yeah. yeah the NFC West is, is really tough like that. And, you know, this year, especially with John Lynch still at the helm in San Francisco, you know, they, they're, they're going to make some more moves. They're only going to get better. John Lynch is a great GM. He really is, and, yeah. and you know they're they're not going to get any worse. They're going to get better, and the Cardinals oh, no. the, they were they were riddled with a lot of injuries, but they're going to get some defensive players back. Hopefully, the offensive line will be much better. But I'd like to see them. I just like to see how Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are really going to work with the offensive weapons there. But no, you're absolutely right, and and I'm not sure entirely what is going to happen with Deshaun Watson, but both, I mean, the Niners have been interested they've they've put their name in the hat for being interested in Deshaun Watson and the Cardinals are not too happy with Kyler Murray Kyler Murray at all either you know there's a lot of growing sentiment around Arizona where they're not really too happy with him after year two so yeah but but here's my takeaway though with with Kyler Murray and I've been saying this like I even said this in my previous episode is is it really Kyler Murray or was it the fact that when you had Josh Rosen, okay, a quarterback at a, at a UCLA, how legit was the uh, was the offensive line 
That offensive line really. was letting so many defenders break through. And I love Kyler Murray. I love the fact he's athletic. He's got a great throwing arm. And he's a guy that you could utilize on all sorts of situations on the field. But again, it comes back to the owner, the, the general manager, the coach, the quarterback, and the offensive line. And it seems like Arizona, they have the pieces that they need to except for offensive line. I've been saying that if you want Kyler Murray to be a better quarterback, get a healthy offensive line to protect him because he's your franchise. And that's what a lot of these other teams are doing. When they find a specialty quarterback, you do the one thing you're supposed to protect him at all costs. And even if you have him or you had Josh Rosen, it still didn't solve your problems, you know, and that, and that's what I think is kind of being the, the real truth and reality with Arizona. I mean, yeah. And obviously, DeAndre Hopkins helps, you know, but he doesn't, he doesn't, you, you don't want a situation like a Russell Wilson in Seattle. You yeah. don't want your quarterback. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've watched Seattle games this year and just absolutely like start to cringe and ugh, every time, you know, it just, you just don't want that. And, you know, but, you know, like, like I was saying as well, if Sean Watson splash lands in the NFC West. Boy, does that ever get interesting? Oh boy, I I just feel like that's just a kick in the tires to the Rams at that point because McVay is trying to make this thing work, and oh no, here comes Kyle Shanahan, an offensive-minded genius as he is, and he's just going to bring the best out of Deshaun Watson, and it's just going to be another kick and blow to the tires for them. Yeah, it's going to be you know Wilson, Stafford, Watson. I mean, and then all of a sudden the NFC West becomes the division in football now. My God. And I even mentioned this, you know, even when, when I started talking about Carson Wentz, because looking at the AFC West, because it's, it's clear you're going to have Mahomes, Herbert Carr, and Drew Locke. And not every, nobody is sold on Locke. I'm not sold on Locke. I just felt like he was a kid that it, it almost seemed like a reach to me when he came out of Missouri. And, you know, it, it reminded me of so many of these quarterbacks that got drafted. And I'm just like, John Elway, you were a quarterback. You would think you'd figure this problem out. You'd be finding the, the the dynamic quarterback that really fits the bill for De for Denver. But even so, when you look at the Denver Broncos, I love their talent. I love how how they have things set up, but they just can't seem to get the quarterback right. Do they potentially go for a trade, or is this kind of something that you rinse and repeat and go for the draft again? I don't know. I was I was I was kind of hoping for them to make a move with either Stafford uh, going now or, or, uh, you know, somebody like a Deshaun Watson, but it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like they're doing any of that. I don't, I don't know exactly. And then what, what John has up his sleeve will now new GM George Payton. Now what yeah. he has up his sleeve, I, I I'm not entirely sure. There's a lot of uncertainty in Denver right now that with the ownership, there's a new GM coming in there's just a it, it's it's hard to even tell what's up from down it really is right now and i mean you've got a great young wide receiving core you know you got great running backs you got you got a really really decent defense i i don't know how decent it's going to be next year because you know Drell casey got hurt and uh you know shelby harris is due to get paid again and von miller, von miller trying to come back from injury yep von miller in the situation that he's potentially got justin simmons needs to get repaid again you got a lot of issues there um 
as far as what to figure out to do with money and talent and players. So it's just, I, it's, I don't know, man. It, Denver is one of those teams that is just so hard to tell right now. I honestly, I, I don't think Drew Locke is, is, is it. And, and what's even more frustrating is to know that John Elway liked Josh Allen and how close he was to pulling the trigger on Josh Allen. And he just didn't did it. He just didn't do it because he got so traumatized with Paxton Lynch and, and, and picking a, a good sizable quarterback that he was just so gun shy to pull the trigger on Josh Allen. And that, that is what hurts the most more than anything to see oh, the I, success that Josh Allen has and know that, you know, he was in playing in Wyoming. He was right up the road from Denver. John went and visited him like three times It showed genuine interest in him. And then draft day just didn't do it. And it was just, that's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely frustrating for sure. And, and I'm not sure how Denver's going to do and but you're absolutely right. Denver's so unpredictable. I mean, think about it. We just had the biggest trade in baseball with Nolan Arenado going from the, the Rockies to, you know, to, 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 to St. Louis. But I've been saying this about Colorado. Colorado had such a great lineup with him, Trevor Story, David Dahl, and uh, Charlie Blackman. But they can and never figure out. Yeah. But they can never figure their pitching out. And pitching has been an absolute issue with them because sometimes, like you, I perfect example, you look at the Angels, you can have all the offense in the world. But if you don't have pitching, if you're not solid like how the A's or, you know, the Astros or even some of these big times, even the Nationals at times, if you don't have the powerhousing of the pitching, length really shortens. You're now on the shortened end of the stick because that's all you got. You don't have anybody else that's willing to pitch quality innings, throw for strikes, and get you out and you know and get you out of situations nowadays. Well, and the, and the Rockies have had trouble with pitching ever since that franchise was born. Really, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's been it's been twenty seven struggling years of of not having pitching, and it's just because of the simple fact is this: nobody wants to pitch at altitude. Nobody yeah. wants to do it. None of the big names want to come into Coors Field and, uh, and get knocked around the yard you know, half the season and try to have to figure it out and then readjust at sea level and then readjust at altitude. I know they brought in the humidor, but it really didn't help things as much as the, as the Rockies thought it would, you know, it, 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 that's, that's, that's just been my thing with the, with the Rockies is like, they're they're as long as nobody wants to come and pitch for them, I'm sorry to say it, but they're just not going to be much of anything. You, yeah. you the, the pitching is everything. It's just like it's like goaltending is in hockey. You don't got mm -hmm. a goal, good goaltender, you're not going anywhere. It's, yeah, it's it's that simple. And 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 now just to see this absolute carelessness with the Nolan Arenado trade is infuriating because they ship him and then they ship fifty million dollars with him and yeah, don't that, get anything in return. It's like I mean, it was just like here, you can have him for free, right? Like, and then we'll give you more money too. We'll give right. you more money. And I was like, "What? This is what they could have done with that fifty million. Could you imagine where that could have gone? It, it, it's 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 so mind boggling. It's beyond anything I could ever fathom. And I I know I'm just a fan. I'm I know I'm not a baseball GM. I mean, quite honestly, I was a Rockies fan. I grew up in Denver, but. 2017 i ditched them i was just like i can't do this anymore and and, and yeah. it clearly it clearly continues to show itself year in and year out i mean they they the cardinals the rockies have been a 
farm system for the Cardinals forever. We traded away Matt Holiday. We traded away Larry Walker. We traded away Dexter Fowler. We traded away Preston Wilson. We traded away like so yep. Daryl Kyle. We 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 traded so many great key players. All, that were all with that one year wonder he had when he was a big time pitcher. It like, was just it's like we've we've traded away cornerstone players of the entire franchise for the Colorado Rockies. And it's just to the Cardinals, it's so frustrating. I, I, I don't I, I I'm so glad. It's like, you know, whenever you like, you know, you, you when you're in your relationship and you can tell that your your girlfriend's got some problems and you're like, you know what, I'm kind of done with this. And then like, you know, maybe like five years later you kind of see her and you see that she's even having worse problems. You're like, I thought you were supposed to get better when we detached. Uh, yeah. I don't think he was supposed to get any worse. And that's what the Rockies have. Like, I detached from him in 2017. And I look at him now, and I'm just like, I thought you guys were, like, supposed to get better and just prove me wrong and make me feel stupid forever turning my back on my hometown franchise. But they just, I, I don't I don't get it. I, I don't get it. It seems like the Munsons, like, they they care about their, their beef industry more than they, and they care about making money off that party deck up in right field. Then they care about putting a, a, a winning product on the, on the field. They, they don't, I mean, because they know that they know they're going to get 3 million people a season in that Coors field, no matter what. And they're going to make, they're going to make money and they're going to make their money. But it's just like, eventually that's going to wear out. Yep. You know, fans want to see a winning team. Fans, oh yeah. Do. They, they, I, they want to see a winning team more than anything. And then, and here's the other thing, because that always comes to everyday life, whether it comes to business. Risk always equals reward. Even if absolutely. you take big-time risks, think about the reward that comes after it. Because when you make that happen, and I mean, you look at some of these Fortune 500 companies, I mean, Tesla, Amazon, they, put, they made big-time risks into building something to where now – my God, they're the most, Elon Musk is the most successful businessman on the planet. And then you got, you know, you have a bunch of the, all these other up and coming business people that they're making the same similar moves. And it shows that when you put an idea together and you make the risk in it, in, 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 you know, putting the potentials in it and you invest in it, that's where the real reward comes into it in the end. Now, even if it fails, you know, you look back at it and I'm like, okay, that was a dumb tried. Thing. Yeah, you tried and you learn from it, you know. But that's that's a, you know that's something that people gotta start to realize, you know. Yeah. And, and these franchises they haven't learned that yet. I, I hate I hate to say this because I, I I know there's a lot of Rockies fans in Colorado and even particularly around the world now that the, that there's been you know almost thirty years of baseball in Denver. But I honestly feel like the best thing for that team to do is just to get sold and move out of Denver because it's just it's clear to me that. It, they're, they're the franchise that no pitcher wants. They, wow. If they can't get pitching there, I don't think they're ever going to win a World Series. 07 looks like such a fluke. Yeah. Like, 07 was such a fluke. Like, it was just the stars aligned perfectly. And and honestly, if if the Indi Cleveland Indians would have won and we would have faced them in the World Series, you probably would have had a way better shot at winning that World Series than you did going up against the Boston Red Sox. That's that true. It's just I, I it, that franchise is so frustrating. I am so glad I'm not a Rockies fan anymore because I can only imagine how Rockies fans are reacting 
yesterday, today, it's just it's got to be so infuriating to watch one of the third, the greatest third baseman potentially of all time. Oh, just, fact. just walk, just walk, and 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 then the, 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 the and then the franchise goes. Here's some more money with it, and right. we don't we don't want anything. You can just have him. Right, and think about this. What are you going to end up doing now once Arenado's gone? Are you now going to see more of the potentiality with Trevor Story now have to build up? Are you going to expect Ryan McMahon to now have to be you know a, a productive player? Like it just doesn't seem like you know it just doesn't seem like those puzzles are adding up at all for Colorado, and it's unfortunate. And Story is is like Arenado too. He's yeah. he's he's a competitive player. He wants to be on a winning team. He doesn't he doesn't want to spend the rest of his days floundering away with the sub 500 franchise who can't seem to just get their correct, head out of the sand. And correct me if I'm wrong, but if I could think about this all the years with Colorado, these were definitely the guys down the tiers. Andres Galarraga, Vinny Castilla, Matt Holiday, Troy Tulowitzki, Carlos Gonzalez, Nolan Arenado, and now you have Trevor Story. You know, and, and listen, I'm not even going to add Charlie Blackman in this mix. I think he's a wild card guy. You know, he's a guy that you could probably throw into the mix as just an add on, but I don't see him being as far as, as impactful as far as a franchise goes. But I feel like that's kind of just sums it up with that franchise with all yeah. those players listed right there. What and could it, it, it's a shame that none of those players are enshrined. The only player they've ever enshrined is Todd Helton. Yeah, that's that's it. Like like Larry Walker, Vinny Castilla, Andres Galarraga, um, Dante Bichette, all those guys should be enshrined in that stadium because that's what made that team competitive from the get go. Yeah, it's and true. Ellis Burks, Eric Young, all those guys, all those guys are what made Colorado baseball a thing. Yeah, and and to see that there's only one man who's enshrined, who by the way is not even a Hall of Famer. And the one guy that you don't have enshrined is a Hall of Famer now, and Larry Walker. Yeah, that that is very, very, very frustrating. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I, I, maybe it's because they thought, well, we're too young of a franchise to start enshrining players. We don't have that legacy. I don't know what it is, but man, I, when I was a young kid growing up in Denver, uh, those, those was, man, those were the glory days. I mean, there was nothing better than steroid era baseball with um, thin air. Man, I tell you what, I went to the 1997 home run derby. Who Lord was that ever a sight and a spectacle to see when it man, came to Colorado? Isn't that breathtaking right there? I mean, my God, I, I mean, the baseball stories I've had, you know, like I, I mean, I, I grew up playing and watching baseball all throughout my life. Um, I remember at six years old, I went to my first ever baseball game and it was at old Yankee stadium and they were playing the A's. And of course, right here behind me, of course I have boxed up. I mean, it's a must, a guy who's been loyal to a team for 20 years. And he was one of my favorite icons as a player, not only just from his play game, but just his leadership and how, and what he was to the team. You know, he, he's, he was lived and breathed New York. And so I get a chance to see the game. Fast forward to 2013. I or um when I was when I was 13 years old, I um I go to Cooperstown, I go and see the baseball hall of fame, and in the end I take a drive up over to the Bronx 
and we go and do the uh, the baseball tours where I got a chance to walk on old Yankee Stadium. And I'm right there behind the plate where you just see the whole field, even all the way toward the outfield, and you have no choice but to sink in just all the legendary players who played on this field all the way through and through. And it's just like, it, it, it's an unbelievable breathtaking moment, man. I mean, yeah, it's surreal. Yeah, that's 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 an even more deep lineage in history than the Rockies will probably ever have. I mean, yeah. you got guys, you got guys like Roger Maris and Babe Ruth and and Lou Gehrig and just the list goes on and on and on. And you Reggie Jackson. You, you, there's so many people who played on that field who who are just absolute legends in baseball and we'll, and, and everybody from Roger Clemens, Mike Mussina, you know, all those guys that, that made the Yankees, you know, uh, Mariana Rivera, you know, it, I can only imagine what that's like. I, I, yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, man. It, 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 it like I said, I mean, those are just the, the roots itself, man, that started itself. The, the place that Ruth built, you know, and that's, and that's what carried all the way on from generations of moving forward until now, you know, you got the baby bombers who, you know, they're, they're trying to figure themselves out, but you know, over it all, man, I mean, this, this was really, really good, man. I had a great time talking with you, man. You, you, you obviously know a lot about your sports, man. And especially even in the hockey world. I mean, it's exciting to know that because I mean, I watch hot take hockey almost at, at any time. He's a fun guy. Uh, big time YouTuber, um, got a little, lot of really good content. He looks to be like, a, a he, he's gotta be a Leafs guy. You know, he, he has to be, I mean, <laughs> my God, if I could have just one interview with a Leafs guy to really have a reasonable opinion about the Leafs, I mean, my God, maybe we might get somewhere, but Jesus, try me. Like, it's like every year with, with the Leafs, it's like, there's going to be something happening. And then they just, they disappoint. They disappoint. Okay. All I got to say is they better do everything they can to get Joe Thornton a cup. Oh, God. That that man deserves a cup. That man deserves a cup. I mean, my God. Patrick Marlowe was another guy that, you know, especially with as big of a scorer as he was, you know, that's another guy that's a big-time leadership role. But, yeah, if they don't get this right, and, again, 65 games, it's a shortened season. You know, and this will probably be my my last topic about this. But when you look at some of these teams, and I watched, you know, I couldn't even believe how many moves Ottawa made. I couldn't even believe it. You know, and 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 I'm like thinking, where the hell did all this money come from? You know, and and they're making trade after trade and signing after signing, and it's like they are reviving. They're rebuilding somehow, but it's happening. I mean, you think about the proposal of the new arenas and all this other stuff, and it's yeah. just like it's happening. But who are some teams that you think, even with as tough as a season it is, um, that remain strong, the battle through this, possibly could make some noise in the playoffs, you know, even just a couple teams that you can think of in the back of your head, and maybe some that might actually they might get the tires blown off uh from here. Well, I mean, obviously. Out in the West, it's Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis. Yep. I mean, that's it, kind of where it starts and where it ends, really. Um, I and you know, out east, like uh, Philadelphia, man, they look really absolutely solid this year. 
My question with them is, can Claude Giroux get back to himself? My God, it seemed like he disappeared all last season. <laughs> yeah, I think he's only had like two goals this year. Yeah, like, where, where, and, and nothing against him, but you're you're allowing guys most of the time. Sean Couturier, Travis Konechny, um, you know these guys score. You know Jacob Rochick or even James Rand, Van Riemsdyk to be scoring yeah. more times. Like, come on, Claude. Like, quit yeah. being clumsy, dude. But but that like you said, those that that solid back end along with Carter Hart. That could be the reason why the Philadelphia stays strong, you know, but they are going to need Claude Giroux at some point to get on board and, and be the Claude Giroux of old days like he was. They are. But, uh, yeah, Philadelphia, I mean, Tampa Bay, obviously, they only lost one guy yep. off their team. So and they pretty much have that. They pretty much have that whole entire cup team. Um, you know, Washington got a little bit better with Zdeno Chara with, with the addition of him. They lost Holtby, but, uh, you know, they gained gained some a good quality veteran and and char on that back end. Boston is looking absolutely well. They look like they don't even. They're like Zidano. Who we lost? What you well, know? It's interesting because I even talked to the good friend of mine, Bobby. He um, you can look him up on YouTube as well. He's known as a butcher block and Patriots talk, but he talks everything Boston, including the the Bruins. I talked with him with um, you know, basically gloves off podcast and. He mentioned because without Zadino Chara, the question is, even if they do look good right now, imagine what they could look like in the next three years. Because you're talking about the development. You're looking at Charlie McAvoy now, who has to be the catalyst for defense. And you look at some of these up-and-coming defensemen. Pasternak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, uh, even Charlie Coyle, and a couple of others, even Jake DeBrusque. You know, they, they have to make this thing work, but for the defensive side of things, because they always leaned on Zadino Chara to be that veteran guy. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how the next three years will be for Boston. I'm not saying they're not going to be as competitive, but I don't think as far as length and longevity, as far as the playoffs go that, you know, they could be a team that makes noise like they did in the last couple of last couple of seasons. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, Last year you saw with the pause, it affected a lot of teams. Boston had it going before the pause. Yep. And then then we paused and it just and then you know Chara with with him opting out or I'm sorry, Tuka Rask opting out because of his family thing and it just got kind of really gray and gloomy and gloomy right there for a minute. Yeah. But uh I would also say never count out the blue jackets, especially now with line A and, and getting Roslovic in there. Mm-hmm. Man, that adds some really good, really good forwards and to to your lineup there, you know. So Alex um, Te- Texier, I mean, he he's an upcoming player that he's going to be interesting, man. Absolutely, yeah. Those are those are just kind of the the teams I see. I mean, I I don't know how sustainable this run is that Montreal's on right now. I yep. mean, it, it, Carey Price. It just seemed like hot and cold so much over the years. I don't know. I mean, they got a lot of talent. You know, they got Toffoli, they got Perry on that back line. They got Suzuki. Of the Josh of the the Josh Anderson trade. I yeah. that because it, the way Josh Anderson's playing right now, that was kind of a steal for them. And regardless, yeah. because it fit the bill with Max Domi, but that I thought was very interesting. And, Montreal. And Nick Suzuki too. Nick Suzuki has been has turned out to be quite the get for them as well. 
you know, he's been he's been pumping out some really good production really early on. So, um, and it, you know they you know, they got um they got Gallagher and and those guys there too. I mean, I don't know how sustainable it is. And then you know, there's always obviously uh, the Leafs. You know, <laughs> like we just had mentioned, you know, they, they got, they got Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and Joe, Joe Thornton's out. Yep. And Thornton's out now because he's got a fractured rib. I don't know when his return is, but, um, you know, I, I would never, I'd never count out, uh, the Leafs either, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, and, and I, I would like to say Edmonton, but oh, God. I, I, I know they brought in Kyle Turris and Tyson Berry this year, but they, Ed- they just done them no favors. Edmonton is just like the angels, man. You can have all the offense in the world, but you just can't have a defense. And listen, when it comes to Miko Koskinen, he's just going to cost you some, you know, look, everybody wants to rant rave about Koskinen so bad. I'm just like, when and where? Because yeah. And why? Like, listen, Koskinen's a good kid. I think he's got some potential in him, but he's not elite. You can't put him in the category of Veselevsky or, you know, a Marc-Andre Fleury or, my God, to grasp. You can't put him in that category, let alone yeah. even the up-and-coming rising stars with, with uh, Carter Hart and Jordan Bennington. You just you can't, yeah. you know, and, and that's where Edmonton really has to figure that out because, yeah, yeah I mean, think about it. The Taylor Hall trade, the Taylor Hall trade of, of all things, you know, they made that happen. Then they had a couple of other whiffs. It's like this franchise, man. They get so close, and then they just they panic. And then yeah, they and I, I, I thought things were going to turn around for them when they're bringing in Kyle Turris and Tyson Berry. You know, two solid defensemen. You know, you bring them in to help out with that back end to, to give Drysaitel and McDavid some support and Nugent Hopkins some support. And they, I don't know where they've been. I, I, I don't know that they signed that they resigned Tyler Ennis, but. Yeah. I thought it was unfortunate when they let go of uh, Andreas and Thanasiu because yeah. now they lost speed. They lost yeah. speed with that could keep up with McDavid's feet. And yeah, it, it's now it's yeah. just kind of become irrelevant for them. It's like yeah, a team without have, an identity. Yeah. And really. you have Mike Trout of hockey right now and you're yeah. not doing whatever it takes to get, you know, to, to win him a Stanley cup. And worst of all, you get upset by Chicago of all yeah. teams. You get a yeah. <laughs> yeah, was- look at Chicago now. <laughs> the bottom dwelling in the central division is just like you got eliminated by that. By, yeah, by that's, that? where told, that's where I told people I said, listen, d- pump the brakes on Edmonton. Time out. Yeah. Yeah, unless they, they wow me with something, they're still going to show their irrelevancy. So it's only a matter of time. And, you know, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, I, and and you know uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't completely discount Florida either. You know they got a really good young team. They're doing some pretty good things there. Um, That's keep, interesting. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, because I mean, yeah, they 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 signed that big pack with Sergey Bobrovsky, um, and they need to bounce back out of him. Now I wasn't going to say like you know the first year was going to be amazing because usually it's always a systematic thing. It's a structure. It has to work at least, you know, and it, it, by year two, year three, year three. But you think about it, Alexander Barkov. Um, I was very shocked that they let go of Matt Hoffman. You know, you know, it, because of you think of Hoffman, and for how long it took until he got a contract. This is a guy that's solid. I mean, he's given you close to thirty goals, thirty goals a year. 
and he's a guy that you know can can generate offense when you really need it. He's aggressive, and I thought St. Louis got a steal out of him for offense yeah. because especially with the length that Vladimir Tarasenko is going to be out for. So, but they didn't yeah. hurt. They didn't hurt for that much because yet you think about it, they lose Petrangelo to Vegas, but they upgraded with Tory Krug. That's where yeah. I'm like, that's stability when I see it. Um, yeah. Oh, here's an interesting question from Rick, Ricky Seven. What about the Isles? Will they turn it around? I will say this: the best move they ever made was JG Pajo. That yeah. was the best move they've ever made to stabilizing that offense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Isles are—I don't even know what. To, it's like one minute you see greatness out of them, and then the next minute, you know, they're hurting their goalie in practice, and you know, you're just like, "What's going on with this team?" You know it. I, I I mean if if trots can keep them the if trots can be trots and really be a leader of men, yeah, we can see what, what happens when that happens. Yeah. Isles Isles made a little bit of noise last year. So yeah. Trotz is one of those guys. He knows how to get the most out of his players. I mean, you think about it, you know, you look at some of the head coaches in the NFL, you know, you look at Andy Reid, you look at um Bill Belichick and Sean McVay and so many of these other guys that are very impactful. Barry Trotz has been very impactful since Washington. He just finds ways to win. Now it is unfortunate for the Isles because one, they lost Johnny Boychuk to an unfortunate injury. Um, You got your goaltender that he's hurt and, but they still somehow, some way with the guys they have, Anders Lee, Matthew Barzell, uh, Brock Nelson, even Josh Bailey, they still find ways somehow to win games. And now it, they did lose a bit, you know, they did lose a big part of their defensive factor in Devin Taves, but it, it, they still, they, they're, they're, they're a team that doesn't go away that easily. You know, they find yeah. in any way they can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wouldn't count them out either, so. Uh, those are kind of just my teams. Uh, I honestly, and and then, like I said, I, I'm not so sure with that hefty schedule that Dallas has on them now that down the road, I don't, I don't think it's going to be by much, but they might not even make the postseason. Yeah. Uh, I, I just yeah. can't see that grinding of a schedule and they don't even have Tyler Sagan back. And these last few games, they got a real slap in the face reality check by the Carolina hurricanes. They really got smacked in the face real good two games in a row. So think about that. A team that displayed so much defense last year with Miro Haskinen. And yeah, it's like now it's just like it's kind of disassembled and dissected, you know, and that's kind of what's been happening with the Stars. And even so, I mean, the Stars have been a middle-of-the-pack type of team. But the question is, are they going to make noise or are they just – pretty much going to stay in the place and be short of the playoffs. Yeah. Or is that, is that grinding COVID that grinding COVID schedule going to, going to get to him going to, going to grind. It's going to show rear its ugly head and grind them out. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Well, I really do appreciate it, Jeremy, man. It's great having you up, up on here, man. Love to have you up on here again. Um, let, let our fans know, of course, where can they find you at as far as media goes? If you got something up in place, man, we really do. would love to check you out, get at least a little bit more info out of you, and uh, definitely help subscribe, help one another. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, every uh, Tuesday and Thursday, we do the cent- we do the Central Ice podcast. 
Uh, that's a podcast I have with me and my co-host Arian. Uh, we're that's through baseline times. Uh, you can find us at centralized podcast on Instagram at centralized cast on Twitter. Uh, we talk hockey, NHL, all everything and around. Um, we just had our first interview with, uh, a, a former NWHL veteran, uh, Sarah Alquist Snyder. Uh, that's going to be dropping this Thursday uh, because, you know, we recognize that there is a strong growing movement for women's hockey now to come to the forefront in, in hockey. And uh, we're, we're, we're doing all we can to, to showcase that and give that its platform and its time right now, because that's, that's really what's starting to, to happen within hockey. And I'm very, very proud of that. Very glad now that there is a league where women can be paid and there's a professional league for, for the women to go the Olympics are no longer just the the end all be all for women in hockey, and now there's there's definitely somewhere uh, that they that all the young girls in hockey can look up to, and they they have something to watch. Boy, isn't that man? Isn't that just remarkable? And you know what i I am I, I'm all about pro innovation, you know. And and I say about this even for you know what our country's going through, you know. I'm all about innovation and keeping a status quo. When you look at sports and how innovative it has become, the fact that now that we're having women's hockey become professionally, I think this is great because, yeah, I mean, we watched all the women that were out there in the Olympics. I mean, with, you know, Kendall Coyne and so many others that are down the list. I can name at least a few of them, and it just keeps going on. But having a professional league now, this, this, is, this brings the utmost respect to you know professional women out there in hockey and even so our positive role models you know for for futures out there and I, and I congratulate them and I hope that the season pans out so well for them but this is great this is great great stuff for them and I hope that this pans out very like I I I think it's fantastic so I Absolutely. hope it pans out well so but awesome and um by any chance, just as a serious question, are you part of a network with anybody? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with uh, through uh, Baseline Times. That's oh, okay. that's uh, that's that's uh, that's where we go through is Baseline Times. Uh, you can check us out at baselinetimes.com. We have coverage right now of uh, NBA, uh, college basketball, college football, football, and then hockey. We just we just started bringing the hockey coverage to them, so um, you know we we're 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 kind of getting on board and kind of getting it going. There you go, man. All righty, man. That's awesome. Well, like I said, best of luck to you guys as well. I mean, this is also, this is, I mean, I've been telling this and it's so funny that you got a, a co-host with you named Darian because one of my colleagues up here, the main colleague here on this spotlight sports network is named Darian. And, uh, we've been, we've been starting, we've started this thing since, um, I mean, he started a while back, back in 2016. And of course, when the pandemic hit, it was hard. It was tough. Um, we were trying to find contents left and right. We were trying to make it consistent and it was tough, but this platform here, because I've been a part of it since February of, uh, of 2020 and I've loved it ever since. And just to be at least another catalyst here, um, on the network and growing it and thriving it. I mean, we're close to literally getting to at least a thousand subscribers and we're, you know, I'm already at the 320 mark, but we work hard every single day. When you put your Absolutely. heart into it, that's as we mentioned, risk equals reward. You put and, in and there's room for everybody to eat. There's exactly. room for everybody to eat. 
Exactly. The table never goes empty. The table never goes empty. The plates never go empty. It, you know, it's just, it's, it, it, it's, it's open buffet all around. You know, it's just, everybody's going to get hungry with something, but I really do enjoy this, man. I really did. Uh, would definitely love to do this again sometime, man, but we'll Absolutely. see exactly how the rest of this hockey season goes. And, um, Good luck to you and good luck to you guys up over on the networks, man. Best of luck to you guys. And uh, we'll hopefully definitely catch you up sometime soon. Thank you. And same to you guys as well. All the, all the much success wish to you guys. And uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, man. Take care of yourself. Be safe. Stay healthy up out there. Wash your hands. And, you know, like I said, we're almost close to it. We're just fighting this head on and we're going to get through this with flying colors, man. Promise you. Absolutely. There, there is an end. The, the first pandemic in 1912 ended. This one will end as well. There you go. Positive hopes, man. All right. Take care of yourself, man. Thank you. You too. There you go. Jeremy case there from, um, man guys. That, that was awesome. That was actually very, very awesome. And I know it took a long time and you know, I, I know I have one other thing and I'll be, I'll be getting to that kind of like as my bottom of the hours type of thing. But man, was that, I had, to, I had to go on with that one. I thought that was awesome. Um, but he's absolutely right. You know, a shortened season like this in hockey, it's 65 games. Nobody, nobody could predict this. Nobody. And the goaltenders, I think, are getting a big advantage for this because of the fact of you now have, um, I mean, you've got all the goaltenders now that are showing up, and it's also giving some of the main guys at least a little bit of time. But it'll be interesting to see how this shapes. But I think for as much of the challenges that hockey's going through, it's going to be one that's going to be fun. To, you know, it, I, I'm going to love this thing. I'm going to love to see this thing pan through and through, but I'm hoping it's going to turn out for the better. So when I come back, I'll be talking a lot more about uh, the Deshaun Watson potential trades and what we might actually see here uh, coming up right here at the bottom end of the hour. You don't want to end up missing that here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Welcome to the My City My Game Pop Show featuring Raider J77, your place for all things Raiders and all things Trailblazers. Brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network. Make sure you like, subscribe, and hit the bell for notifications. Now let's go. Alrighty, folks. Well, uh, first and foremost, I want to thank every single one of you guys to have been coming on here tonight. What a what a show it was tonight. I mean, we had Jeremy Case who came on earlier, started talking a lot about hockey and some of the ins and outs. Um, if you guys ended up missing that, that's okay. You guys can definitely go and check this out in the archives. 
for all of our episodes, of course, from our past episodes. And of course, uh, like, subscribe, hit the bell button, and also follow us on all social media platforms to keep us to keep you guys up to date on future shows. I'm going to have a show tomorrow night. You guys do not want to end up missing that. I'm going to have another special guest that's going to be coming on here on Spotlight, on the Snake Sports Talk Show. But I really do appreciate it, guys. Uh, one thing I do want to follow up with uh, before we go. So the Deshaun Watson thing. Because now Matthew Stafford's in LA. Jared Goff is in Detroit. And now the question is, what do we do with Deshaun Watson? It's clear that Deshaun wants out. He wants out of Houston. He wants out of this mess. He wants out of this whole charade. Like it, it, it's basically over. It's over with the time in Houston. That's all it is. And Deshaun, this never happens in football. A guy who's 25 years old, dynamic, a guy that, you know, he, he, he all he needs is a healthy offensive line. He needs a strong enough coach. It needs weapons. He needs all of that. And it's unfortunate about just how things just panned out. I don't understand. And these are just kind of the things that when you look at it, it um, it's very it, it's very intriguing to me. But Houston had so many opportunities to make this thing work. They had so many opportunities of making this thing work. Um, and again, I love Deshaun Watson. I'm a I'm a fantasy football geek, you know, and I love to draft Deshaun Watson on my league. But when you're in a dysfunctional organization like Houston and now they're trying to make this thing work, I, I don't know what you do from there. I really don't know what you do from there because this is just one of those things that it, it, at any point and at any time, this is something that is just going to come back to bite you. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate all the way through, but you have to do whatever it takes to make this thing work. But I just think that the destinations, as I've said for Deshaun Watson, I think the Jets are, I just think it's a perfect fit for me because they got the cap space. They got a lot of those places. They got Robert Sala. And the other thing of it is it's a decent offensive line still getting better. It's not all the way to its peak yet. They have draft picks. They could give away the number two draft pick to Houston. And then they could build upon the draft picks that they have. My sources have been telling me that they might actually get Travis Etienne from Clemson in one of the drafts, you know, and, and, and I think that would be very intriguing and I think that would be great. So Deshaun will have a run game and then you're going to have a defense. So however, you're going to set this thing up with Deshaun, I think it would work. But then the other part, you've got San Francisco. Now it's risk over reward. Um, it's clear. Jimmy Garoppolo just, yeah, it, it, you know, it's clear that San Francisco's done with him. But I just truly really think that where Deshaun Watson's going to end up going, and then there's even Miami. I mean, Miami seems like a solid place. Um, but, it, it, you know, in the meantime, I think Deshaun is going to end up going at some point after watching Stafford, after watching Goff, after watching a couple of these guys, it's going to be on the back of his mind. If that's what it's going to be in Houston, you either make this thing right or that's going to be it. And I feel like 
There's no way of repairing this, but I appreciate you guys coming up on here tonight. Really do appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great night. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you for another episode tomorrow night. Take care, guys. Have a great one. We'll see you later.